knocking on the door of 70 and I don't see myself stopping. I don't see myself stopping. So I am now out helping other women to learn how to apply these practices and live what I say a life healthier ever after using Ayurveda. So that's how I found Ayurveda. That's Sharon Naomi, an Ayurvedic health longevity engineer at Your Way Wellness, where she works to transform perceptions of aging. Meditation and mindfulness are a very big part of Sharon's ongoing health and wellness transformation. And today, we're talking about the power of holistic healing and health, from the food you consume to the thoughts that consume you, and what enoughism means to her. This minimalist wants more. Welcome to the Enoughism Podcast. I'm Reverend Yugen Bond, a metaphysical author and energy worker. This show challenges greater perceptions of mindfulness, meditation, and minimalism. Come along with me as I interview people from all around the world about what it means to have enough already. Find me on social media at I Am Enoughism. Enjoy the show. So tell me about your background and your foray into uh, spirituality and healing. Thank you. Um, love to. So, um, you know, I was for, for 40 years living what I thought was a healthy life. And, you know, I didn't really suffer for 40 years for major illnesses. Um, other than I always carried around, you know, 10 to 30 extra pounds and but it wasn't for me fighting my weight was not anything uh, a major concern it was part of normal life um and but when I hit my mid-40s by that point I had a 25 year uh, IT career behind me I was director level I was climbing the corporate ladder I was in a master's degree for quality engineering uh, at the same time and all of a sudden I, it, it, it seemed like all of a sudden, but it was this gradual increase of, you know, health conditions starting to raise their ugly head. I had 70 excess pounds on me. I had uh, high cholesterol, high glucose levels, hypertensive, 10 allergies. I had mercury toxicity. I had digestive distress that would kill during the day. It was just this death spiral that I found myself on all of a sudden. And every doctor that I went to told me that it was normal aging. And my family was telling me that it's in our family genes and suck it up and deal with it. And there was just something that inside of me said, there's more to it than this. This can't be it. (laughs) This can't be it. It is not in my genes. I know that. And because there are others in our family that are are healthy. So um, I just went on a quest. And even with my crazy schedule and what I was doing, I realized if I didn't do something for myself, nobody was going to do it for me. So uh, I'm like, this can't be life. And so 
I started out looking at natural methods. I was drawn to it because of my love of nature and looking at the, the uh, least uh, invasive way to um, heal myself. And I just ran into Ayurveda one weekend. One of my friends said, let's go to this retreat. And I did. And I walked out of there engrossed in, um, signed up for a four-year academic study of Ayurveda with the sole purpose to heal myself. And um, off I went. And I got better. I got better, not instantly, but over time. I mean, when I finally graduated, I was much healthier than what I was, but I wasn't as healthy, optimal as I knew I could be. So when I got out, that's when my quality engineering mindset kicked in and said, well, what are the vital few things you need to do that are going to give you 80% of your results? So I started culling it down. And now what it's turned into is annual practice, what we call Ruducharya and Dinacharya. And it's a lifestyle. It's a natural routine that I have built over time that has transformed me into 80 pounds lighter. I thought I was 70 pounds overweight that the weight just kept coming off as I started practicing. Um, all my allergies are gone. I have no digestion. You, you, and I'm 20, 20 years older than I was when I found Ayurveda. Healthier, healthier, no doubt about it than I was then. And I just see, it just seems to be no end to, um, you know, I'm knocking on the door of 70. And I don't see myself stopping. I don't see myself stopping. So I am now out helping other women to learn how to apply these practices and live what I say, a life healthier ever after using Ayurveda and integrating it with Western practices and other um, fair, uh, practices that they already do that are working for them. It's not a, a one and that's it. So that's how I found Ayurveda. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's so inspiring. It seems like your gut and your intuition has driven you to that or along that journey. And is that something you inspire other women to do to kind of tap into how you feel and where you are and where you need to be? Yeah, yeah it's all um, what makes you feel whole. What makes you um, love life and have a passion to give life to life? And to me, we are drained so much in the world that we live in and to inspire others to know that they can give themselves life and inner happiness and all this. Just it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. What is the connection between everything you've learned so far and your meditation and mindfulness journey? I'm really curious. Everything I've learned so far. Um, I think that mindfulness has to be part of the journey or you're going to live an, an unfulfilled life. Um, being aware, because that's what we are, is awareness. And I think that having that as part of um, everyday living is um, what I would say gives you the biggest 
chance of living your greatest life. It does. Yeah. 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 So, so I think it, it, it allowed me to sit back and, and get away from matter and what matters, what today we think matters, you know, with our, everything we hear, see, touch, taste, and smell with our external senses and I think what it really has brought me to is the internal aspect of our life and to live from that point, live inside out and not outside in. Because if you do outside in, you just bring in the stress. And, you know, Ayurveda looks at our senses as the, the stallions that the charioteer is trying to control through life. And so we through our meditation practices, learn to become the charioteer and have the mind in charge of the body and not the body in charge of the mind. I love that. Yeah. How has Ayurveda changed your sense of purpose? It has. When I learned that Ayurveda uh, sees that our purpose for life is to become self-realized. And the goal of getting the body into a healthy state is so that you allow the flow of energy through the body so that you can realize that energetic flow that you, you truly are. Um, it looks at, at the having the ability to have this they, what they call the second coming of Christ during your lifetime living today to experience through the kutasta um, the the rebirth and of the spiritual self and it's just it's just amazing to um, aspire to become self-realized in your life there's not many people who want to take the time to sit and quiet the senses enough so that you realize the inner self with a capital S. And according to Ayurveda, health, the definition of health, it all starts with, here it is, um, a healthy person is one who has a connection to self. And it's with a capital S. And that's the first thing they say as, the, as a healthy person. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing here about body weight or, or uh, you know, blood pressure levels or anything like that. It's just, are you balanced? And do you have a connection to your higher self? So it really has looked at, you know, my purpose isn't to become a vice president or to become a... Um, you know, a best-selling author, although those are nice things. I love, you know, I aspire to do those things, but that's not my purpose to be here. Yeah. Well, aspirations can be about a lot of things. And like you mentioned self-realization and sitting in a room with your thoughts and how terrifying that is for so many people. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. how, how do you think you're, like when you sit with yourself, what is that experience like? I, I know it changes, you know, it changes as you go daily. through different things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when I get caught, I look at meditation as if a thought comes, treat it 
um, as a bird trying to nest. Don't let it nest, shoo it away, right? Just, or watch it, right? But the, I think the one thing that's helped me the most is that I came to the realization that it, just because I have a thought doesn't make it real. It may not be true. So I could be sitting here in meditation and I'm expecting my husband to come home, but he hasn't come home and it's a half an hour late. And all of a sudden this bird nests on my head and I start this, oh my God, he's gotten in an accident. Oh my God, I'm gonna get the phone call. Oh, and I should be not worried about that in meditation, right? There should be a silent brain. <laughs> yes, so that, I mean, that's the whole thing is to just realize that a thought is just a thought. And if you're trying to meditate, just release it as quickly as you can and try to settle back into, uh, I call it the void or the, the feeling of completeness. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. You know, because we could all experience the exact same thing or even just watch the exact same movie and experience it totally differently depending on our backgrounds and what we value, you know reality each we each have our own reality and if we only begin to realize that um somebody else is not having that same experience as you are <laughs> yeah not one person that has ever lived is having your experience yeah that's right i want to i want to end by i'm very fascinated i guess by your foray from corporate into non-corporate and i'm sure Perhaps some of that still sticks around every now and then, but what has that been like to kind of transition the, the focus of your life and, and uh, advance and evolve? My goodness. Yeah. You know, if for, for 43 years, I was Sharon Nimi, corporate level VP quality engineer. And one day, honestly, I, I was just let go. And the scramble to get back in, it, it, all of these were lessons, right? At the scramble to get back in, there was this, now what am I, who am, really, there was a sense of who am I, even though that was only four years ago and I've been meditating and doing so much self, quote unquote, self-help work all my life. It, it was a, um, it, it, it was a divorce. Right. So there was the, all the stages that that I went through. But then I, I realized that, of course, my my belief has always been that one door is closed. Another one should open. It doesn't necessarily have to bring you back into the same room, i.e. corporate America, but it's going to open up to something different. And I realized that I had this world of Ayurveda that was swirling in me for 15 you know, 14, 15 years at that point. And I had been helping others who wanted help and kind of fringe dwelling and dabbling in it. And I said, the world just needs me to, to go out. The world needs me to go out and speak my voice and use still all the tools. And the I do, I do quality engineering when I work with someone. I do diagnosis. I do analysis. I do prior prioritization I do Pareto's we do I do all kinds of stuff so I'm still kind of doing that because uh, I love doing that I wouldn't have done it for 43 years 
if I didn't enjoy it. Um, and shame on me if I did. Um, but you know, the, the end feeling of it all has been finally the healer in me has been able to come out and help others heal. And that has been liberating. And the other thing has been, I have found myself with a sense of freedom, feeling, I have always said, I can't wait to be free. I can't wait to be free. But then when I was free, I wanted to get back in. <laughs> I just didn't want to let go of that little bobble hanging in front of me. And um, it was stepping into the unknown that I realized that I set myself free. And even though I have clients and I have obligations, um, there is the sense of the universe has my back. Maybe that's why I chose this, <laughs> this background I have just because I'm saying that is I really felt that um, I stepped into the river and I was supported. And I always thought that my life, I needed to control my life. Um, and I realized, no, you just need to live your purpose. And then your life will be lived the way it should be. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, it seems like you had kind of that, that seed planted early on and maybe it took years for you to realize, um, you know, where kind of preparation meets luck or meets opportunity. What's that, what's that phrase? I forget. Yeah. <laughs> so. when luck, opportunity, luck meets opportunity. You're, you're in, I guess. And I, that, that was it. But um, yeah, they, they, one of the things that I've learned is that um, you can't be self-realized, no, sorry, to become self-fulfilled, you need to be self-realized. And that it's a journey that is just a day at a time. And um, you'll be led to it. How can someone become better at self-realization? It, it is the um, becoming more self-aware of the thoughts, the actions, the, um, and who you want to be. I think that has a lot to do with it, but it also has a lot to do with chakra work and releasing the stress and the survival mode that we, we live in, um, you know, the constant barrage that we have and um, taking the time. It's a few moments and it really doesn't take a lot of time out of your day as a um, practicing Kriyaban. I do spend an hour in the morning and at least 30 to 45 minutes, even, even up to an hour at night. Um, with my meditation practices, but it only takes five minutes a day to get started. Five minutes a day, a couple minutes a day. <laughs> you know, some of my clients, I'm like, let's let's try meditation, and and oh, I can't. And it's like, okay, just sit and breathe. So we just start breathing exercises. That's a form of meditation. There's walking meditations. There's all kinds of things that you can do to bring the awareness to the present moment and not have your thoughts scattered all over the place. Yeah. I think when it comes to meditation, a lot of people have these kind of stuffy pre, uh, preconceived notions that like you have to sit on the floor with your legs crossed and 
chant Om for two hours and mm. even a walking meditation that that can be really powerful. Tell me more about, about kind of what's worked for you. Uh, they all have, right? I find almost, I find that my whole day becomes a meditation some days. Ah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go from, I do a sitting pranayam formal meditation practice every morning and evening. Um, that's, that's built in. Then I have some chakra work that I might do in between meetings. Um, love Joe Dispenza and his um, uh, uh, blessing of the energy centers, all those, you know, things that get you to move your energy differently. Um, then there may be a, a, a moment, a day, a, a moment of silence throughout the day. Okay, let's just not even talk for half an hour. Uh, then there could be, you know, I go out and bring my dog for a walk and there's a walking meditation and I see an eagle fly by and I said, so it can be just after a while, it's there and, and it's all around you and mother nature's speaking to you no matter where you are, you know, come sit with me for a while. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you open your, your mind and your heart up, especially during the walking meditations, you become yeah. aware. Yeah. Yeah, just open. It's 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 trying to keep your mind still from the past and the future, and you want to still it into the present moment. And there's nothing more powerful than focusing your entire attention on the present moment. And you know when someone's talking to you if they're with you or not, right? Yes. If they're focused on you or not, you know it. If their eyes are going everywhere and they're thinking about what they need to say next to you and they're not with you. And that's, that's a powerful in any business is the ability to sit with somebody and be totally conscious of them and what they're bringing in that moment. Yeah. Well, I think many people are used to the dopamine hits that society brings, whether that's social media or uh, an action movie or whatever it is. It's, it's shopping, the, food. It's the horses out of control, right? The, yeah. the horses are running, the chariots bouncing, bouncing and the charioteer are bouncing all over the place, you know, just take me for a ride. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. And when the bot, and when you sit and you try to meditate and, and you're sitting there going, oh no, my, I should have had my coffee five minutes ago. Oh no, that, that new uh, podcast is on. I need to listen to that. That's the point where you need to have the mind say, oh, wait a minute, I'm in charge here, just like a stallion. Let me sit down, let's settle down for a minute and let's see what comes next. It's yeah. that pull and push and pull of the, I need to do something. And do you know you're doing more by doing nothing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you do any journaling or any kind of brain dumping to try to get, get your thoughts down on paper? I don't know if I ever move out of this house, what I'm going to do with all my journals. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I carry them with me and I just keep getting more and more boxes of journals. Yeah. Um, I just think it's important. Um, and there are stretches where I'll do it every day. In fact, I just finished a six month stretch where I journaled every day um, as part of my meditation. I consider it meditative to write and to get thoughts out is one of our um, elimination channels. 
we don't think we think of urine and bowels and those sort of things but our voice right yes. our thoughts they they need to come out and if they if they don't you, they can stagnate the body and um yeah my i went through a really tough time with um my mom 91 years old falling getting covid when she was in rehab and never coming out um and that just was my way of dealing with it all and so yeah i think it's an important it's a great tool to have yeah I think it is too. I actually mm -hmm. just started leading a journaling group online. I have about 40 uh, people from all over the country on Zoom. Oh, and we great. use, yeah. yeah, we use journalism as like a mindfulness tool. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a big advocate of just brain dumping, but from like a meditation perspective too, it just, you, you clear your mind and it's, yeah. it's like, all right, it's up here, but I'm going to get it done on paper. I don't have to worry about it anymore, or at least not right now. So. Yeah, that's it. And um, when I first started meditating, I had a notepad next to me. And if I got stuck on a thought, don't forget that meeting, that senior person's going to be needing this, right? I would sit, I'd put it down and then I'd say, okay, you're not going to forget it now. Go back to work, <laughs> yeah. which is non-work. <laughs> Right, exactly. Go back to work and do nothing. Okay. <laughs> That's great. This has been wonderful. I have one last question for you. What does enoughism mean to you? Enoughism is, and I've I've felt that is it, I think it's the cause of so much stress in our lives today is that the more you get, the more you think you need. And the more you get, the more stress you have over the things you have. And it just is a, a, a hamster wheel of, you know, I don't have enough when you have too much. And I really think a, um, a taking the minimalist approach and um, uh, giving up the need for a lot of things we don't need. I think that's that's what enough is. I've had enough. Enough is um is too is just stressful. It is. It's just too stressful. And we're taught, I was taught as a kid growing up, you need the more you have, the better off you are. And I just don't think that's true. I agree. That's why I started the enough as a podcast. So we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. The more you have, the more the the more stressors you have in your life. And there is a point where too much is too much. Right. Yeah, that's very well stated. I completely mm. agree. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Enough Isn't Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anywhere we can find you? Do you have a website or anything you'd like to tell our listeners about? I do. I have um, my website, yourwaywellness.com. And all on there, I have a library full of free resources on Ayurveda and, you know, what it is from what it is to how to use it. Uh, specifically, most of my clients are interested in weight loss and, uh, and I call it permanent weight loss with Ayurveda um, and anti-aging. You know, I'm getting way too old too fast. So those are the two main points of concern that uh, most women uh, come to me with. 
Um, and then there's another group that, uh, you know, are really specific about, I have a digestive disorder, or I have skin conditions, I want to get rid of these allergies, and we'll work specifically um, on, on those, those health concerns. But I do have some programs, and you can find it all on Your Way Wellness, or if you just want to shoot me an email, Sharon at yourwaywellness.com. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that. Not a problem. Congratulations. You've reached the end of the Enoughism podcast. Show some love if you'd like by subscribing and leaving a review. If you wish to support the show, you can download the Enoughism ebook now available on Amazon by visiting IamEnoughism.com. Make a Venmo donation if you'd like at Enoughism. Questions or comments? Want to be a guest on the show? Drop me a note at EnoughismPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Reverend Eugen Bond. Remember, we are all enough just the way we are. See you next time. <laughs>